Jay, what a conversation with Jamie Kern Lima, who is a self-made entrepreneur, champion of women, philanthropist, keynote speaker, co-founder of It Cosmetics, a company she started in her living room and then sold to L'Oreal for $1.2 billion, that's billion with a B, dollars, becoming the first female CEO in L'Oreal's 100 plus year history. She's on the Forbes richest self-made women's list and is an active investor in more than 15 companies. And she spent a little over an hour with us today in arguably the most incredible conversation you and I are going to have in a, quite a while. I agree. I think that uh, her book is called Worthy. And the thing that really surprised me, I've heard about people, you know, chasing happiness and not finding fulfillment. But she really delineated between your self-worth and your self-confidence. She'd done an incredible thing, right? She'd built companies. She was valedictorian. I mean, she's got a long list of accomplishments going way back. Yet that wasn't helping her self-worth. And so understanding that your self-confidence does not actually always line up with your self-worth, that was a big aha for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't think most people could articulate the delineation between the two. And yet when she describes the feeling that you get when you achieve that thing and still aren't happy or still don't feel fulfilled, I think every achiever has been there at some point. And she said, I, I, the quote that I'll take away from this is, in life, you don't soar to the level of your hopes and dreams. You stay stuck at the level of your self-worth. And by the way, that's across the board for relationships, business, you name it. Oh, yeah. I mean, your, your self-worth is your ceiling. And she talks about people being stuck and doing self-sabotage. And they can't explain why they can't get past a certain level. And it's because their internal thermostat is kind of set there. And they have work to do, right, on the inside, not on the outside achievement, on the inside to get that fixed. The, the thing, and you'll have to wait till the very end of the podcast, because so, or skip to the end, right? I don't recommend it. She talks about all the no's on that journey. And I'm going to misquote her, but when you change your relationship with rejection, you change the trajectory of your life. And it was really significant. And it's so true. Like, what are we getting from the no? Is it just feedback? Or are we somehow using it to define our worth? So it was really, really like hard hitting stuff all the way to the end. This was such an incredible conversation. I can't wait for you all to have the treat of listening to Jamie, Jamie Kern Lima. Her book comes out February 20th. 20th linked in the show notes. Make sure you pick up a copy. Let's go listen to Jamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the One Thing Podcast. We have a very, very special guest today, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jay Papazan, and today we have Jamie Kern Lima, who is a self-made entrepreneur, champion of women, very true, philanthropist, keynote speaker, and co-founder of It Cosmetics, a company she started in her living room and then sold to L'Oreal for $1.2 billion, becoming the first female CEO in L'Oreal's 100-plus year history. She's on the Forbes Richest Self-Made Women's List and, and is an active investor in more than 15 companies here today to chat with us about her newest book coming out in February called Worthy. Welcome, Jamie. We are so, so excited to have you. Wow, thank you so much for having me. I am excited. It's going to be a fire-filled episode. <laughs> yes, it will. That, of, of that, I have no doubt. And I was sharing a little bit before this that I had the privilege of getting to listen to your story at a conference that we both attended. And I know everyone 
everyone in that room uh, was just was just so inspired. And I can tell you, as a female founder and entrepreneur myself, your talk was just a, a rallying cry for for me and for so many of the women in the room. And I know personally, it was just so transformative for me. So thank you for that. And and I just want to acknowledge before we even get started the incredible impact that you are having on on this world, one person at a time. So so thank you. We're just really excited to talk thank with you today. You. Thank you so much. Can you share? Well, I'll jump right into the book because I I I want to hear where this came from. You've been long a longtime champion of believing in yourself, of believing in your knowing, your intuition. Where did worthy come from? Mm. Yeah, I my entire life, Nikki and Jay, I thought uh, if I just achieve enough, then I will finally feel enough. And, uh, and I did a whole lot of achieving and I, I still do, and I'm really proud of it. And I never understood, and maybe this is for everyone listening as well. I never understood why when I finally got that huge goal or, or, or got the company to a certain level or, you know, had personal goals and in relationships and, and in my personal life happen, I never understood why I finally got that thing, but then always kind of deep down inside still felt like I wasn't enough or like something was missing. And I always just thought, oh, I, I just have to work harder. I just have to go to the next level. I just, then I'll finally uh, 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 feel like, like I'm enough and it's enough. And, and that was m- my whole life. And it wasn't until after um, accomplishing and having the blessing of accomplishing some of my biggest hopes and dreams, I could have only like I couldn't have even dreamed this big, honestly, the days I was a Denny's waitress, like I knew inside, I I felt like I had great things to offer to the world, but I really doubted myself out of my own destiny for many years. And it wasn't until uh, really just reaching incredible heights in my business and, 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 and in how I felt I was contributing to the world and everything else that I finally realized, oh, I actually have built a whole lot of self-confidence. I've been growing, I've been contributing all of those things, but I actually have a I actually have low self-worth underneath all of it. And it was a huge epiphany for me. Um, I discovered it through sabotaging a few things in my life, <clears throat> which we often do when we have low self-worth and don't know it. Um, and I about three years ago, I became obsessed with studying like how do you build self-worth because it's actually very different than self-confidence. And for so many people out there that maybe have felt like they've hit a ceiling in their business or in the threshold of their own personal development or in the depth of connection in their relationships or in a ceiling in how they've decided or not decided to put their art or ideas or expression of who they are out in the world, our self-worth is our ceiling. Our self-worth is our ceiling in our business in our goals, our ambitions, our relationships. And, you know, we, and I talk about this a lot in Worthy, and it's why I wrote the book, is 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 that we don't soar to the level of, of our, our hopes and dreams. We stay stuck at the level of our self-worth. And even when it comes to our businesses or our relationships, our, 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 our ambitions, our hopes, our dreams, like we don't rise to what we believe is possible. We fall to what we believe we're worthy of. And it is the one thing, when you build your self-worth, whether you are a man, a woman, an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter. It changes every 
every part of your life. Uh, and the last thing I'll say about this is I, for a long time, I'm just so fired up about this because for a long time, I thought it was just me. <laughs> I thought, oh, I'm so good at crushing it out in the world. And maybe there's just something inside of me I got to fix because I still feel like I'm not enough. And I still, I still have so much self-doubt. And, and what I've realized is eight, like literally right now as we're talking, 80% of women don't believe they're enough. Uh, 73% of men feel they're inadequate and not enough. 75% of female executives deal with imposter syndrome. It's a real thing. And I feel like, I feel like A, no one's really talking about it or, or perhaps doesn't, doesn't have awareness of it. And a lot of people confuse it and think, oh, I just need to build more self-confidence and get more skills and experience. And that's going to solve it. Not understanding it's, it's a whole other thing. And so, um, you know, when, when you change your self-worth, you change everything. So I'm, it's why I wrote Worthy. Uh, it's a book that there's like over 20 tools in it on how to build self-worth. And I'm very excited and fired up, as you could tell. <laughs> can I can I ask, just as the writer in me, what's the difference between self-confidence and self-worth? You made a very big distinction there. You had built up a lot of confidence, yes. right? You did a lot of hard things. You did a thousand QVC appearances. Yes. You launched a company you had the confidence in your ability to do things, but can you make that distinction maybe a little clearer for the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So self-confidence and self-worth. So often, and for me, most of my life, I thought they're the same. I confuse the two and sometimes use them interchangeably. So self-confidence, while it is an internal trait, it is based so much on what's happening in the external. It fluctuates. It's fragile. Our self-confidence rises and falls. So our self-confidence is how we assess our own skills and abilities and attributes. It's our willingness to try and go for it. Our self-confidence is, is how we feel we stack up and measure against other people. It's if we're winning or losing at any moment in time. And, uh, you know, they do the study, that, uh, studies that like, the boxer who wins the fight is automatically 30% more confident. So our self-confidence fluctuates and it's very much based on the external. Uh, our, our self-worth is the deep internal knowing uh, that we are worthy of love and belonging exactly as we are, not as we achieve, not as our past mistakes or failures, not as if we're winning or losing, but like exactly as we are. And the situation almost all of us are in is that we are raised in a world where, you know, through all the exciting advertisements and also through well-intended family, we start to believe that if I finally get that thing, like, then I'll be happy, then I'll be fulfilled. And for some of us, that thing is the dream car or, or my business hitting a certain level or, 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 or getting married and having kids or, you know, six pack abs. And, and so we work so, 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 so hard. And, and like for everyone listening right now, if you can imagine one thing that you thought, oh my gosh, one day, whether it's weeks, months, or decades from now, if I finally get that thing, then I am going to be so fulfilled. I got it made in the shade. Like then I'm happy. And what happens? We work so, so, so hard for that thing. And in the journey and pursuit of it, there's three important things that happen. We build a lot of self-confidence, which is very important. Uh, we're often growing 
which is really, really important. There's a whole chapter in Worthy about like the ultimate fulfillment equation and how important confidence is and growth is. We're often contributing to something greater than ourselves. Those three things are really important, growth, contribution, uh, building confidence. But all of those are multiplied by your level of self-worth for your fulfillment. And so what happens is we get, we finally get that thing. And in the journey of it, we've built a lot of self-confidence. Uh, but we haven't built any self-worth. And so we arrive at it, right? And there's that famous saying, wherever you go, you still take you with you. It's why people win the lotto and they lose it all. It's why, you know, you if, if you haven't done the work inside, nothing on the outside can change it. And so what I realized in my life is just, I had done so much to build a lot of self-confidence, but not a lot of, uh, of self-worth. And you know, there's three, for anyone listening, by the way, there's three main ways that low self-worth shows up in our life. Um, and, and, and before I even touch on those, I just want to say one thing, cause I know, uh, whoever, I know that the, the people listening to this particular show are likely very ambitious and high achievers and very successful. And there is a lie that a lot of us believe like, well, if I just feel like I'm enough as I am, will I lose my ambition? Will I lose my edge? Will I, right? And so we get scared to believe we're actually enough. And it's a, it's a lie. When, when you look at all, I mean, so the more rock solid your self-worth is, you actually become more ambitious. You actually become fearless over e- e- putting yourself out there, going for the thing, because you know, even if you fail and fall flat on your face, uh, it might shake your confidence for a minute, but it cannot touch your self-worth. And you just become, and I know this now through living it, so much more fearless. The stronger your self-worth is, the more ambitious uh, that you become. But but the two are very, very different. Um, and we're in a world that just reinforces you just need more confidence. And then we keep doing it, we keep building it, and we still feel like we're not enough. So it is, it is, and, and, and the, the, the sad part about all this is that if we, most people will go their whole lives and continue to just thinking it needs to be more, it needs to be, you know, and then they actually never feel fulfillment in the pursuit of all the things. And so when you build really, really strong self-worth, you're actually able to enjoy and feel enough while you're achieving um, versus always feeling like something's missing uh, perpetually. So I think part of the challenge too, Jamie, and let me know if you see this, is that for achievers, they they most of them will attach their self-worth to their net worth. And that's where we get in trouble. And net worth might, might not just be in their finances. It might be to your point in what they've achieved. But the challenge with achievement is that I think as we grow, everything normalizes and therefore no longer feels like enough. Like it's like if your goal was to make a billion dollars, eventually you get there and making a billion dollars normalizes. And then you're like, well, now, now my goal is going to be to make two billion or three, and it's never actually going to be enough. So if you're attaching your self-worth, and your self-confidence and your value to that achievement, you're, you never actually arrive because you are an achiever. Your nature will be to go and achieve. So we try to put this outside world together in the hopes that it fixes what's happening inside. But confidence comes from evidence, from my perspective. Like It, it just is evidence that we can do what, what we went out set out to do at the beginning. And yet self-worth, we can't find outside. 
So you you started talking about the three ways, and I'm and I'm waiting for it. I'm like, give me the three ways, Jamie. I want to know because we can't find self worth outside. We have yes. to find it inside. Yeah, and 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 you'll see through evidence, and I will not name names, but you will see through evidence of politicians or particular people that have accomplished everything financially or in the business world. It doesn't even matter how much of that you achieve. That cannot, even if you achieve all of it and you feel it's, en- you feel it's enough, it still only builds self-confidence. None of it actually builds self-worth. So you'll still always feel like something's missing, even if no matter what level that you get to, uh, if, if you don't build that internal self-worth that is completely separate and totally different from the outside. Um, so yeah, for anyone listening, if they're wondering, okay, wait, this is the first time I'm hearing about this. Uh, do I really actually have any challenges with self-worth? I thought, you know, I'm really confident and I'm crushing it and I'm hitting numbers and okay. So, so Self-worth usually shows up in, in three ways. And let me just be really clear. For me, the evidence of, of, of needing to build my self-worth, that showed up in the heights of my success, in the heights of my success. The, and I'll, I can share a story in a second about this, but they're, they're very different, you guys. And so, and so uh, this really is such a big thing for everyone, um, especially, again, anybody listening who might be crushing it in their business, in their lives, in their goals, in their dreams, and just feeling like something missing. It's almost always this. So so, so, so self-worth, um, to, to even really realize, do I have an issue with this? Uh, three of the most common ways it shows up. If you have low self-worth, and again, I'm going to say this over and over, you could be the world could think you're crushing it. Um, you know, you could be six pack abs, the bank account you want, the job type, all of it. But the way if you have underneath it all low self-worth, it shows up uh, 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 most commonly when it's really low, it shows up in the form of sabotaging things um, or, or really staying stuck. Okay, let me just go there. A lot of us feel stuck. And we don't know why. And we think, oh, I just need to get more experience, then I'll get unstuck. Or I just need to, you know, work harder, then I'll get unstuck. A lot of people feel stuck, meaning they might be crushing it in all these areas of their life, but they feel like they have a book inside of them to write and they don't know why they haven't started it. Or they have a huge business idea and they don't know why they haven't registered the domain. Uh, or they, they really like someone more than just friends and don't know why they haven't told them. Or they want a life partner, but haven't got back on the dating app. I mean, this goes on and on and on and, and we stay stuck and we think it's because of all these other reasons. Oh, I just need to get in better shape. Oh, I need to get more experience. Oh, I need, but really it's because we deep down inside don't believe we are worthy of the thing, right? Because in life, we don't become what we want. We become what we believe we're worthy of. So we will stay stuck and not know why. And there's probably, I'm going to guess that there'll be a lot of people that write into the two of you right now who know they have a book inside of them and have not written the first word. And and they think, oh, I just need more free time or I need this or I need that. It's often because in that example, they have a deep down thing of, am I worthy of sharing my story with the world? Am I worthy of people wanting to hear what I have to say? 
And low self-worth shows up in all kinds of forms tied to our identity that keep us stuck. Uh, uh, if you have low to medium self-worth, it often looks like you sabotage stuff. So, you know, you'll actually go for it. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll write the book and you have half the manuscript done. And then you start scrolling Instagram for eight hours a day and, and you sabotage it. Or, uh, or you meet that person who's incredible, whether it's a romantic relationship and you are like, this person's amazing. And then you just decide to put them in the friend zone and you don't know why you're not attracted to them anymore. Uh, or you meet someone who seems like they have great values and could be a potential new friend, um, or new colleague and you don't even call them back. Like when we have low to medium self-worth, we'll go for the things, but we'll sabotage them. You'll hit a certain plateau in your business. You'll hit six figures. You really want seven figures. You don't know why you keep plateauing year after year. There's so many ways this shows up, um, but, uh, but, but sabotaging things even after we go for them is a big one. And then if you have, you know, medium to high self-worth, what that looks like is you go for the thing, you actually accomplish it, you crush it, you do all those things, but you arrive at it still feeling like it's not enough, still feeling like something's missing, still feeling unfulfilled. So those are the things. You hinted that that was your journey, that you arrived and realized that you, you still had, you know, something wasn't being fulfilled up by all mm-hmm. the accomplishment. I feel really fortunate because I get the opportunity to work with so many amazing people in our community and our customers and get to be a part of their world. And they trust me with being a part of their goals. And more often than not, almost everyone is focused on health. And at the core of that is diet and eating a balanced diet. But eating this kind of diet, it's a huge time commitment and it's easy to get knocked off track. That's why it's so great to have a solution when you don't have the time to do the prepping and the cooking and the cleanup, but you still want to eat healthy. That's why we partner with Factor, and Factor is chef-created, dietitian-approved meals that are ready to go in just two minutes. With Factor, there's no prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. The variety of different options and meals that they have is really impressive, but go see for yourself. Head to factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150 to get 50% off. That's code 150 at factormeals.com slash 150 to get 50% off. No, I, uh, there is a moment in time. So, so my whole life, uh, I don't know if you guys ever watched Oprah (laughs) growing up. Um, so I was alone a lot as a kid and, and, and I would sit in my living room and watch Oprah every single day. And I, uh, I had this feeling, right. I remember, and maybe that maybe I'd actually love to know if the two of you have ever had this feeling and anyone listening. But I remember I was eight years old and I saw an interview she did with Barbara Walters. And she said to Barbara, I always knew I was destined for greatness or I was born for greatness. And I remember at the time being eight years old and thinking like, I have that feeling too. That's like, me. Me too. That, do you feel that too, Nikki? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Jay, have you ever felt that inside? It came later. It came later. later. Towards the end of high school, I started to think maybe there was something bigger out there. Yeah. yeah. I was a I was kid a, just I was like a late you, bloomer Jamie. compared to y'all. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Okay. So I just remember someone putting a voice to that going, I have that feeling too. I bet a lot of people listening can relate to that. 
And I remember watching that. And when she said that, and then at the time, oh my gosh, the world was not ready for, especially a woman to declare that. Uh, Cause she got so much backlash in the press for it. No one understood like declaring your greatness um, or, de- you know, no one understood speaking that kind of faith about your own potential out into the world. And uh, so I remember the time she got a lot of backlash, but I just connected with her. And in, and I remember growing up, I thought, and I was this girl in the suburbs of Washington state who no one in my family's ever gone to college, like no, no business thinking this way, but I felt like I was going to meet her one day. I just felt it. I just like knew it. And I dared to believe it was going to happen. Like I actually believed it was going to happen. And fast forward uh, 30-something years, and I had just, you know, sold the business. I started in my living room for a billion dollars cash. All the things that you shared in the start of the show is on the Forbes list for the first time. You know, all the things were happening. And it's a long story, but... uh, uh, my assistant had written a letter because she didn't know what to get me that thought would change my life. And it is like a one in a, the odds are one in a billion. Any of this stuff happened and that the letter got to another person who got to another person and then got to Oprah's assistant. And then out of millions of things, she read it and then shared it. And out of millions of things, Oprah read it. It's a whole thing. But I got surprised just before my 40th birthday um, at an event and was told I'm going to meet Oprah in the green room. I thought it was going to be for two seconds at a step and repeat wall. Uh, but I walked in and it was just me and her in a green room. <laughs> it was the whole thing. So I meet her. She afterwards invites me to lunch. Um, and uh, I thought, I did not know the difference between self-confidence and self-worth at this time. And this was just a few years ago. I went to her house for lunch. It was a three-hour lunch, just me and her, like better than I could. It went better than I could have ever possibly dreamed of. Uh, I have to imagine it's every, like, it's more than anyone could dream of just being in her. She has to be such a force. I, I can't. And the two of you together, I can't even imagine. Well, I wish Did I could tell her about the Barbara the Walters. Did you tell her about the Barbara Walters? I don't know if I did. I may. I did. Actually, I did in my thank you letter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Okay. Um, and at the very end of this lunch at her house, she writes down her cell phone number and she says, uh, call me anytime. You can oh, call I would have cried. Yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> you can call me anytime. And I am, you know freaking out, but trying to be very cool. And I'm like, absolutely. (laughs) Like, thank you so much. Like all the things. And you guys, I did not call her for four years. I know Jay knew this story. I did not call her for four years. And I thought, and by the way, now put this in perspective for everyone listening. I was so confident. The world was telling me I'm crushing it. Like, my, you know, when L'Oreal bought my business, like I stayed on as CEO, I gave them my word I'd stay for three years. I doubled the size of the business the first two years post acquisition. Like we are wow. crushing it. our sales force, everything, like we're crushing it. And every one of our retail partners, like everything is so great. And meanwhile, I'm not Colin, who I have looked up to my entire life. And four years goes by. And in that time window, I'm telling myself stories like, oh, I just don't have the right thing to say yet. I think of the perfect thing to say, then I'm going to call her. Uh, Or I would think of, um, oh, everyone just wants something from her. Like I'm going to prove to her I'm a real friend. I don't need any, like (laughs) all these stories, right? In my head. 
And then one day I realized the real reason I hadn't called her was because deep down inside, I did not believe I was worthy of being her friend. And this is what having all the self-confidence in the world, all the achievements in the world, all the accomplishments in the world, but underneath it all, when you don't believe you are enough as you are and you are worthy as who you are at the core, your identity level, uh, you will sabotage things like I did with Oprah for four years. Uh, you'll stay stuck and not go after them, or you'll actually get them, but still not feel fulfilled. And so that was the moment that uh, I literally realized, because I think self-doubt is, you know, lives in our mind and it's not the truth. And our truth is in our soul and in our knowing. And I just remember that day, like literally, like I, I imagine myself like turning down the volume, like a volume dial on my doubt in my mind and like turning up that volume on my soul that knows, oh, I'm a kick-ass friend. Like she would be, or anybody (laughs) was so lucky to be my friend. Like I am a great ride or die kind of, like I am a great friend and I know that to be true. And that was the moment where I was like, I have to stop listening to my self-doubt, turn up the volume on my knowing. And that was the day I called her. Uh, that was the day I called her. It took four years. And, uh, and, and that's also when I became obsessed with understanding what is the difference between self-worth and self-confidence. And, you know, since then, you know, she and I have taught a class together. All this stuff has happened that almost didn't happen. And, and she's a great friend now. Like it, it almost didn't happen. And I think about every single person listening. This is why I wrote Worthy. You know, I'm donating 100% of the proceeds. Like I don't, I think about the people listening who, what is almost not happening in their life, in their business, in their relationships, in their, in their ideas and, 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 and who they're born to be because of, if you don't have self-worth underneath it all, you will doubt yourself out of your own destiny. Yeah. One of our mantras in writing the one thing was like, we wanted people to be able to say, I, I'm glad I did versus regretting. I wish I, I wish I'd tried. And so just getting people out of that moment of self-doubt, is so important. Like if you had not had that epiphany, I mean, or you could have had that epiphany four months instead of four years, what could have happened right in between? But I'll tell you this, Nikki, uh, I learned this. I heard the story from Jamie earlier. I was hoping that was the story she would tell for our audience. She gave me, Jamie gave me her cell phone number and I called her within 24 hours. <laughs> I was not, I was going to learn right there. You did not I did, wait four years. That's right. And it turns out, I bet, Jamie, you didn't have to have the perfect thing to say. I think often we're looking for the the perfect plan or the perfect thing to say or the perfect path forward, not realizing that it just doesn't exist. That's that's also something that we make up in our mind as an excuse not to move forward on whatever that thing is. I, I want to acknowledge your immense courage to have this conversation because I know that so many people are listening to this. And this is something that's so hard to name and so hard to articulate, but we feel it. And you are putting words to something that so many people feel and don't know why. They get to that that achievement or get to that goal and they look up and say, man, this is everything I ever wanted. And I am still not happy or not fulfilled, or I still feel like there's a puzzle piece missing. And what's wrong with me? 
I bet would be the first thought that comes to mind to so many. And I think that this is the answer to that. It's not that anything's wrong. It's just that we haven't figured out the puzzle pieces that live inside and how to find our internal worthiness. So I just want to acknowledge that as someone who has achieved what you've achieved, I have to imagine it's hard to raise your hand and say, me too, right? And 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 yet I, I can tell you personally, I love you all the more for it. Oh, well, thank you. And, you know, I, I almost, um, it was funny, I was thinking about this the other day that because every once in a while I'm like, yeah, I worked, I've worked really hard. I did a hundred hour weeks for a decade. I did a thousand live shows, sold a billion dollars of product direct to camera. Like I worked really hard, but I also have a lot of family that has worked just as hard as me. My parents, my mom who recently passed away, worked just as hard. I know a lot of people work just as hard as me and haven't had this kind of an outcome with their business or anything else. And I was just thinking the other day, um, you just reminded me of it, Nikki, that like, I actually think our steps are ordered in life. And I think part of why I've had the gift and the blessing of accomplishing so many things that, that the world celebrates is I think I was meant to learn this lesson that that, while that's great and fun and awesome. And I have more ambition now than ever. It's not the thing. Like, there's there's never enough that will fill that void if you look for it on the outside. And I'm not a person that says, don't go looking on the outside. I'm like, oh yeah, keep keep putting everything out yeah, in the keep world. Driving. Like, oh yeah, like I believe in being the highest, fullest, um, as Oprah would say, the highest, fullest, truest expression of yourself. And, and to do that, uh, uh, building confidence, expressing your gifts and your talents and your ideas and your art and and growing and, and serving beyond yourself. Those things are critical to that. Uh, but if that one piece is missing, uh, it'll never, ever feel fulfilling and, and feel enough. And I think I wouldn't have known that because I would still, uh, had I not, you know, had all of these things that, that are externally celebrated, I think I would have never realized that's not the piece missing. <laughs> a lot of us think, oh, the piece missing is the six pack abs or the goal weight or, or the cover of this magazine or the, the, that award inside my company or whatever that title. Uh, and those things are amazing. Again, I still, I still, I still work harder than ever. Um, but they're only fulfilling when you have that puzzle piece inside at your own identity level. And that's really self-worth. Uh, it's, it's who you are and, and who you believe you are at your core, irregardless of anything else going on around you. And, you know, again, we see so many examples of this, whether it's in people that achieve great fame and no one knows why they sabotage everything or, or, you know, people who are in privileged positions, uh, to impact our world, but continue to let the ego drive everything or people that, you know, win gold medals or make it to the moon or anything and, 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 and come back. And that's not the thing, <laughs> you know, that, so it's, it's, it's everywhere. And I think that, I think that this is, uh, very new. This is very new. And I think it's going to be, I hope such a gift to so many people, uh, because the other part of this is if we keep driving so hard and so hard and so hard and are never fulfilled, it's a never ending cycle to nowhere. It's also why people get burnt out uh, because none of it's fulfilling when, when deep down inside, by the way, it's why people, they think something's missing in their marriage. 
they think something's, they think it's their job's fault why they're not fulfilled or it's their partner's fault, but they don't realize like, oh, wait, as I am who I am at my core, I don't believe I'm fully worthy and enough. That's the one thing um, and doing the work there. So, you know, becoming obsessed with this for the last three years has changed every part of my life. It's changed my marriage. It's changed how I parent. It's changed like the joy, you know, uh, putting this book, um, which I'm so excited out there in the world worthy, uh, the joy of that process. I watch people, uh, what I know is, 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 is I'll speak faith when this book is a huge success, that will feel great. And God forbid it's not, that will really suck. But I will feel unshakably worthy right now, regardless. And I couldn't have said that just a few years ago. I would have been tied to an outcome thinking that that would somehow um, impact my sense of fulfillment and joy. And listen, I know I said this before, but just it's people's biggest fear, especially ambitious uh, 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 people is like, oh, I don't want to lose my edge. If I feel enough, I'll lose my edge. I'm telling you, you just gain fearlessness and just an unshakability. Um, well, I don't think you've lost your but, edge, Jamie. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you were making the outside accomplishments, thinking that was going to fill the hole, then you're actually scared of failure. But when you know the hole has already been filled, it's it's a very different scenario. So I I, I want to ask you the question, like, so I'm, I'm sure thousands of people are saying, that's me. Now, what do I do? And I, I'm going to add a secondary question, and I'll remind you if it's too much. But you're a parent. I'm a parent. Nikki's a parent. But my thought is, I don't want my child to have to learn this in their 30s, 40s, or 50s, how could I start fostering a sense of, a healthy sense of self-worth early in their life? Is that something that you examine in the book? Uh, yes. Yeah, we dive Good. into tons of tools in there. Um, it's interesting with parenting, right? Because all the studies and data are changing by the day. And that's one of the most controversial areas that, that no one agrees on. Uh, but what I will say is uh, when it comes to building self-worth, you have two schools. A lot of people are worried that right now this generation is doing nothing. <laughs> they have no ambition and they don't want to work hard. And there's that whole kind of uh, worry out there about that. Uh, but there's still this underlying tone always of, you know, the first question people ask kids or even adults is, what do you do? Um, and, you know, are you married yet? Are you dating anyone? Like those are the questions. And, and we are raised to believe once I have great answers to those questions, that is the bar of then being enough. And so we really just believe that lie. And I think that's how a lot of us fall into this, this trap of, well, wait a minute, I am, you know, I, I am all the things that everyone's asking, has asked me about for decades. I have all of those now. Why do I not feel enough? Um, and because those are all external. And so that's the, that's the big thing. And I think with kids, of course, you know, we want to instill work ethic and, um, and ambition and hard work and all of those things we want them to do well. We want them to be set up for success. Uh, but I think being so aware of just simply asking them, you know, how they are, how they feel, uh, uh, you know, how hard they tried, uh, those kind of things versus, you know, what the outcome was 
is important. And also the most important thing we can do as a parent is build our own self-worth. That is the most important thing. Uh, uh, because when you look at all the studies, they show that often when it comes to things that hurt someone else's self-confidence, whether it is your partner, uh, your, your spouse, or your children, they'll share with you when somebody hurt their self-confidence or when something hurt their self-confidence, but they often will not share when something hurt their self-worth. And so it's why, uh, and in particular, a lot of men will stuff this identity stuff deep down inside when it has to do with self-worth, but if something happened that hurts their confidence, they'll share it. Um, and, and not even know the difference. And then also with kids, like when your kids have something that shakes their confidence in school or this or that, they'll share it when it's something way deeper level, self-worth and identity stuff, they won't. And so the most important thing is for us as individuals to do the work internally, A, so we understand it, and then B, so we can set the example. Um, you know, there's, when it comes to, a lot of people are people pleasers and they think if I can just make everyone else happy and just have a lot of friends and have a lot of great colleagues and have, you know, make my partner happy and all these kind of things. Uh, uh, but what's happening is our, our depth of love and connection with another person can only be as deep as our depth of love and connection with ourselves. And most of us are walking around feeling lonelier than ever even though we think we have a lot of great people in our lives and we don't know why we feel lonely. And a lot of times it's because we've been taught that self-love is selfish and all of these other things. And we just think if we give and serve and do everything for everyone else, uh, then that's enough. And that's when we won't feel lonely, but doing the work of understanding, like, who are you? Um, who are you and learning to, to build your own self-worth and, and love yourself, which for a lot of people listening, I'm imagining a lot of people listening right now, we're taught to think that's something we don't even need. That's not important. That's soft. That's this, that's that. And don't even get it twisted. If you want to double your success, you double your self-worth. If you want to double your net worth, you double your self-worth. Like it's going to sound soft. It is not a soft thing. It is a strategy, probably the most strategic strategy I think you can do when it comes to your business, et cetera. Um, but it all starts internally. And, you know, there's been this, um, and you guys will know, and and I know, you, I know that you are so familiar with so many of the great thought leaders, the great icons and personal development. And there's been an example around forever that you've heard many people share about your internal thermostat. And uh, for anyone maybe listening who hasn't heard this, uh, it's an age old example that a lot of people have used. That's really powerful that when you imagine like an automatic thermostat in a room, right, that, that, that will kick in the AC or the heat, depending on the temperature of the room. And when you imagine like let's say the room is set at 75, but all of a sudden everything's cold and it cools down, that heater will kick on and get the room back up to 75. When things get really hot, the AC kicks on. And the example that's that's really powerful that's that's been around forever is that, you know, your own identity has a number, right? And you can even go more granular at this and you can say your own self-worth has a number. And if deep down inside you believe you're worthy of, of right at 75, and, and things, you know, 
go really bad in your life, you'll fix them. You'll figure it out. You'll get it back together again. You'll, you'll, you'll solve the issue. You'll get back into the, the habits that are carved in your neural pathways and you'll get right back to 75. Uh, and similarly, like I started the, our conversation talking about how your self-worth is your ceiling. Uh, if stuff starts to go really, really well in your life and your business is doing eight figures and it's always done seven and all the things, but you still have that worthiness at a 75, your self-worth is your ceiling. So your AC will kick on, you'll sabotage it, you'll do all the things to get back to that 75. Um, so doing the work internally on self-worth, on, on knowing, just even being aware huh, what is my own number, right? For everyone listening right now, if you had to rate your own self-worth, which is very different than self-confidence, your own self-worth, your belief that you are enough and fully worthy of love and belonging exactly as you are. If you lost everything around you that the world celebrates and it's just you sitting there with you, you know, what number would you give yourself? And, and raising that, Raising that will be the one thing that really, really changes everything. So the first thing I'd say is being aware of this is a huge thing because I know just simply from, from the gift of some of the rooms that I've had the, the blessing of talking to even in the past few months, most people are like, oh, like, I won't say what word they say, because, but it's a huge aha moment <laughs> where they're like, oh, wow, this is the thing actually that's missing from my life, being aware of it um, and making the decision to realize that you're worthy of building your own self-worth. You're worthy of asking yourself, who am I? Like, who truly am I? And how do I learn to love myself and accept myself for who I am? Because so many of us wake up in the morning, we put on the mask of the person we think we're supposed to be. We put on our uniform of who the world expects expects us to be in our job and in everything else. And, and we live our lives as only part of who we are, uh, hiding all of who we are or not even remembering who we truly are. Uh, and every time we show up as, you know, a people pleaser or as someone else, or as only part of who we are, we're telling ourselves deep down inside, we're unworthy of being who we really are. And it slowly chips away at our self-worth. I think you hit it earlier, like you meet someone at a stranger at a party, like, what do you do? Right. And or how like you're looking for the those easy connections. And we all do that. And if you ask someone who they are, most of the time, they're going to give you their profession, or a role in their life. I'm a I'm a mom, I'm a dad, right? We tend to define ourselves around what we do, and the biggest or most important roles in our life. Like if I um in the weird world where we would actually ask this question and say, you know, meeting you like, Jamie, who are you? How would you describe yourself as someone who has found their worth? Mm, yeah. You know, I love, we have them um, trying to think of some of our mutual friends, Jay, who do this. Uh, Jim Quick is coming to mind. There's some people that will say like, what's lighting you up right now? Or just like different questions that they have that kind of uh, break the ice. And listen, I think that it's, I think it's always going to be normal and expected for people to ask those kind of questions. I think the key is that we're not asking ourselves those kind of questions internally, um, meaning that we think when we have a really great answer to what we do uh, to ourselves, that that's the key. Um, and it's really about, you know, just taking those steps of 
of becoming aware of who you are and embracing who you are. There's an entire chapter in Worthy called, You're Not Crazy, You're Just First. And uh, let me share this for a minute because it, 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 to go back to this, it chips away at our, at our, at our self-worth when we think we have to be a certain role, have a great answer, have all the things the world celebrates to be enough. And we start hiding who we are, doubting who we are, hiding the parts of ourselves we think are odd or quirky or whatever. And, you know, you hear this, this idea of authenticity all the time. And it's a very, you know, a very um, common topic that's talked about. I think people don't realize, though, how critical authenticity is to self-worth and to like just a very easy tool to start building it. Um, we, so a couple of things, right? We, so growing up, I would always, you know, I'd have these big wild ideas and I'd always hear from members of my family, like, you're crazy. Who do you like? Things like that do not happen to people like us, all these things. Right. And I always kind of, you almost said it. Who do you think you are? Right. That's the question, right? Yeah. Who do you think think you are anyway? And, you know, for anyone listening who's ever felt like they didn't belong, or they didn't fit in, or they had to change who they are to fit in, or you felt like people have called you things like odd, different, crazy, quirky, out there. I always felt that way growing up. And I um, eventually, I have five families, I was adopted, it's a whole story. But I eventually, um, in my late 20s, was the first to ever go to therapy of anyone I know in any of the families. And, uh, and I remember this moment where I said to the therapist, I'm like, my family's like, they're always telling me I'm different. I'm odd. And who do I think I am? I'm crazy. And I asked her point blank. I'm like, am I crazy? Like, am I crazy? And she said to me, you know, no, but I'm really glad you're here. And she said, when you are somebody who is brave enough, and I want everyone to hear this, like listening, when you are like, you're the first ever you that has ever been in existence the first you that has your thoughts, your experiences, your emotions. Uh, All of us have unique fingerprints and tongue prints and heartbeats and irises of our eyes. There's no one else in in the history of the universe uh, that's you. You're the first ever you. And when you are one of the very rare brave ones willing to actually be who you are, like fully authentically, like don't be surprised if people don't get it right away, or if people don't understand your ideas, or if you don't always feel like you belong in a room, uh, because you're not crazy, you're just first. You're the first ever you. And 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 when I had this conversation with this therapist, it was like literally like a light bulb moment for me that just it was so bright that it burst when I realized I'm not crazy, I'm just first. And this this understanding has helped me. Um, not take it personal when I walk into a room and don't feel like I belong necessarily. I don't take it at an identity level. I'm like, oh no, no, I'm not crazy. I'm just first. Um, the first ever me. But then as I grew my business, right? When I launched at Cosmetics in my living room, oh my goodness, y'all, it was years, years and years and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of no's. Um, by the way, there's a whole chapter in Worthy called When You Change Your Relationship with Rejection, You Change Your Entire Life. And it's like this masterclass with a framework on how to reframe rejection, reframe no's, um, re- revisit and reframe past rejections in your life. Uh, huge to become fearless in your business, especially and not let rejections take root at an identity level where you start to think you're a rejection, uh, which we can do. And that's when it affects our self-worth. 
But this idea, back to the, uh, so much I want to share, back to the idea of you're not crazy, you're just first. Uh, over and over in my business and, and growing it cosmetics, oh my gosh, and the number of rejections and the number of retailers that had said, well, you should change this about your packaging or change the way you're positioning this or do things different. I just don't see how that's going to work. And I'd always filter these rejections and this feedback through my intuition and go, okay, is there part of that that's valuable that I, that I feel that, oh, that's true because feedback is a gift. And, but, but when I felt like, no, 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 I actually don't agree. I feel in my gut, that's not quite right. I would just remember I'm not crazy. I'm just first. And because I'm doing something authentically, um, uh, it's first and, and, and for everybody listening who has told themselves oh, there's a million people who've done my idea or there's a million people who like, I don't have anything special to offer. Uh, I just want to say like when I entered the beauty space, for example, I knew nothing about it. What I did know is there was hundreds of thousands of companies in that space, all doing similar products, but that doesn't matter. When you are willing and brave enough to do it authentically, by definition, it has never been done before. I don't care what it is, whether it is selling real estate, whether it is launching a business, whether it is putting a po- you know poetry out into the, it doesn't matter what it is. If you are willing to do it as who you authentically are fully, it's never been done before. And, and so don't be surprised if not everyone gets it. Don't be surprised if it, if, if even touted visionaries don't think it's going to work right away your way. Um, I've always learned that most people cheer you on after you make it. And so, <laughs> and so, you know, for so whoever true. needs to hear yeah. that today, you're not crazy. You're just first. Jamie, when I heard you the first time, uh, at the event that we were both at, you, you talked about all of the no's that you received. And I have to wonder if maybe you don't give yourself enough credit for the worthiness that you did find in yourself that you did have early on, because I, I, the more you speak, the more I wonder if people's nose is a reflection sometimes of their worthiness, that if uh, it's hard for us to conceptualize something we haven't seen before. And if they haven't ever brought something like that to fruition or they don't believe they could do it, it seems to me it might be impossible for them to believe that you could do it. And, and you said something that day, I I wrote it down and I still will probably not get it as eloquently as you did. Um, But you talked about all the no's that you received and, and just, about your relentless perseverance in, in building it, it Cosmetics. And you said that when when someone gave you a no, you, pers- you received it as they gave you a no, but God gave you a knowing. And, and effectively, you felt like God was protecting you from what wasn't for you. And by the way, if I botch this, please, please correct me. Uh, and, and I just felt like it was so powerful and I would love for you to share, expand a little bit on that perspective. It sounds like it's in the book, but I would love for you to share how you built that because I think every achiever, whether they're an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur or whatever they're doing receives these no's and sometimes takes them as a, you, you differentiated rejection is not the same as, as you being rejected. Mm-hmm. And I think it's often hard for us to, to find ourselves within that. So yeah. can you just give us a, a short a short version, because uh, I know we're coming up on our time, a short version of what we could expect reading the book? Yeah, uh, that's such a great question. And, and so, so many times people think that the no's and the rejection and the failures 
are somehow an indication of their potential or their the possibility of success. Uh, and they are almost always not. Uh, it's so funny. I, I remember a quote uh, that Jay-Z once said where, where uh, he said about him and Beyonce, he said, the genius thing we did was we didn't give up. And like, sometimes it's that simple. Every single person. Okay. So let me back up a minute. Um, on my journey to, to building a cosmetics. So one of the things I, I've talked a lot about, um, and thank you for sharing that. that that's so, I'm, I'm so grateful to hear that that resonated with you as well, uh, because every single one of us faces no's, rejections, failures, setback. And one of the things that, that I learned, you know, in my journey was, if, when I got still, and I think this is universal, no matter if someone has any particular faith or believes in the universe or whatever you believe in. Um, for me, I'm Christian. I get, I get really still. I pray and I, 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 I ask God for a knowing. I pray for that, right? You may, you could even call it your intuition. Um, for me, that's how I hear God is through my intuition and my gut feeling. And Every time building a cosmetics, and I mean hundreds of no's, and some of them were so painful, it was like, whoa. And they weren't like, come back later. It was like, uh uh-uh. Like, hard no. Hard no forever. Um, And every time when I was tempted to quit or would be crying myself under my covers, you know, I would would get still and I'd always feel this knowing uh, that I was supposed to keep going. And... There was one no in particular um, that was so painful that there was a potential, it was a private equity company uh, and the head investor after we got through, you know, rounds and rounds of everything, including the diligence phase. And I thought an investment was going to happen at the very end. He said, uh, I just don't, he said, no, we're going to pass on investing. And after I'd asked him why for quite a while, he said, I, I just don't think women will buy makeup from someone who looks like you with your body and your weight. And when he said those words, I First of all, I never actually felt anger toward him, but I felt like a lifetime of self-doubt and body doubt, like flood my body all at once uh, when he had said that. But what happened in that moment when he said that no to me was I got this feeling like deep down inside in my gut that like, so I could feel like it was yesterday when I think about it, that said, he's wrong. Like I felt that like he's wrong, that feeling, right? And every one of us has a gut feeling. Every one of us, every man, every woman, we all have that knowing, that intuition. I believe it's more powerful than anyone else's advice. And what I, when I look back at that moment, what I know happened was that he had given me a no, but God gave me a knowing. And I believe in our life, our relationships, our business, our hopes, our dreams. It so often comes down to which one we listen to. Do we listen to the no's? Or do we listen to the knowing? And by the way, so often we're the ones giving ourselves the most painful no's in our head. We're the ones looking in the mirror in the morning going, I don't think I have what it takes. I'm going to sabotage this deal today. I'm worried I'm going to F up the whole presentation. Like we're the ones giving ourselves the most powerful no's, but those are in our head. And when we learn to turn down the volume on that and turn up the volume on our knowing, like that's when we're in our soul. That's when we're in our power. And so and so being able to differentiate that is, is huge. And then also, you know, I go into Worthy really deep into this framework on the called the four R's. And for anybody who is in a profession or simply an ambition where you put yourself out, you are one of the brave ones who puts yourself out there in the world. And whether it's in the past or your present and you've dealt with a lot of rejections, 
failures, people setbacks, people who have let you down. Um, this is probably one of the most life-changing tools. So Jay, you'll appreciate this. I was I wrote a whole book called When You Change Your Relationship with Rejection, You Change Your Life. It was going to be my third book. Uh, but I'd have to wait two years for it to come out after Worthy. And I was so impatient that it's now chapter two inside Worthy. All right. Um, I love so that. We don't have to there. wait. You don't have to wait. Um, but it talks about how. Because I went through hundreds and hundreds of no's. And a lot of us, we we let the rejection or the failures, including past failures, when we get rejected or or fail, it hurts our confidence. But a lot of us have had it happen so many times, we've let it convince us and take root at an identity level that somehow we're a failure or we're rejected. And I go through how to identify if that's happened in your life and then how to completely reframe it so that it doesn't hold you back um, and, and how to become fearless with rejection, with failure, with no's. Because uh, what I'll say is, you know, and I, I had to do this early on, long before, Nikki, I, not long before I understood the difference between self-worth and self-confidence, when I was building a cosmetics, uh, I... I probably out of sheer grace, learned how to identify rejection, identify what is my current definition of rejection and failure? What's the meaning I'm currently attaching to it? And is that meaning helping me or not? It was not. And and I reframed uh, and assigned new meaning to rejection failure. And I built a whole toolbox of definitions I believe to be true of what rejection and failure means to me when it happens. I revisited past rejections and failures in my life from family, from childhood stuff, from business stuff. And I literally redefined all of those and got to the point where they're all reframed and no longer feel like lead balloons attached to my wings when I'm trying to fly. Um, And I go through a framework and worthy on how to do this, uh, because when you change your relationship with rejection and failure, you change your entire life. And, you know, there's so many issues I still am working on in my life, but one of them is not, I I am fearless when it comes to rejection and failure and being told no. Uh, And I'm telling you, it's, it's one of the keys to how I built a billion dollar business in my living room, because every single person, every single retailer that said no, and some of them said no for years, even after I had built the biggest luxury make company in the country. Some of them were still saying no, even when I could prove I'd make them a lot of money. Eventually, every single one of them turned into a yes, right? And it's how we built. And so had I not learned how to change my relationship with rejection and failure, I would have taken it personally. I would have thought it's some indication I'm going to fail. And I could have never built that company in my living room into a billion dollar business. So yeah, there's a whole masterclass really on that was its own book, but it's now chapter two in Worthy. All about this for anyone who deals with no's and rejections. This is going to be huge, uh, uh, huge in your life. So, and in your self-worth, because we let it take root often in our self-worth. 
Well, thank you for that. I, Jamie, I can tell you the saddest part of my day is this interview coming to an end. I wish I wish we could keep you for the next couple of hours. This has been incredible. Thank you. Uh, thank you personally from me. And uh, and I know Jay and I know all of our listeners are, are going to absolutely love this episode. If everyone wants to connect with you, where can they find you? We're going to drop the link to your book in the show notes. Worthy comes out February 20th. But if they want to connect with the amazing you, where should they find you? Yeah. So website is uh, worthybook.com or jamiekernlima.com. And then I am on Instagram at Jamie Kern Lima and lots of really fun behind the scenes videos on my YouTube right now of all the stuff with the book launch, everything coming out and then lots of new, everything I do is, is free um, out there and I donate all the proceeds from the book uh, as well. And, uh, but I have lots of really cool content on business, on self-worth, all kinds of stuff on YouTube, which is um, at Jamie Kern Lima official. So and thank you both for having me so much. This has been, thank you for being uh, here. I can't believe how fast this flew by and, uh, and yes. I'm just grateful and honored to be here. So thank you. I'm grateful that after selling your $1 billion exit of a company, like that would have been the finish line for a lot of people. It was just the first chapter. Mm. Like you're on to something bigger and better. So what a gift. Thank you so much for sharing uh, with us and our listeners. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The One Thing Podcast. If you're a bold risk taker who wants to dream big and achieve a higher level of success in your life or business, visit theonething.com. There you'll find information on one-on-one coaching, our exclusive community membership program, and customized workshops that will help you get your team or organization aligned and rowing in the same direction. That's T-H-E, the number one, dot com to start living the life you've always dreamed of today. Be sure to follow the show to stay up to date on weekly episodes, guest interviews, and more. Plus, we would love to hear from you. Send us a voice note by going to speakpipe.com slash the one thing or email us at podcast at the one thing.com. We'll see you next week.